0: Welcome to the Productivity Breakthrough Podcast. I'm Elise Enriquez, your breakthrough coach. I am known for meeting people where they are and delivering practical insights so they can be more productive. Most people hear the word productivity and they think it's all about getting things done. What actually moves us forward in life and business is getting things known, getting things prioritized, and illuminating the next steps so you can achieve the goals that matter most to you. Being truly productive means being just as okay with what's not getting done as you are with what is getting done. If you are ready to create productivity breakthroughs in your life and business, then you are in the right place. I am so glad you're here. Now, let's create some breakthroughs. Hey there, so glad you are joining me for another episode of the podcast. This is my labor of love to help make the world a better place by empowering women to move forward what matters most. Sometimes what matters most is our mental health. I mean, it always matters, I suppose, but sometimes we need to prioritize it above other things. And in this week's episode, I'm having a conversation with a couple of my coaching peers about anxiety and depression. Now, these can be triggering topics for some people, so feel free to skip this episode if you need to. If you are not triggered by these topics and don't struggle with either of these, I encourage you to keep listening. Why? because I'm all about helping us to better understand each other so we can build more empathy in our world and operate with more kindness and love. So get in close and learn more. And if you're someone who deals with anxiety or depression and or depression and wanna keep listening, welcome. I hope you'll listen in and feel like you're a little less alone. One last thing before we jump into the conversation, you will hear different approaches to dealing with mental health struggles. None of us are medical or mental health experts. If you think you might have anxiety and or depression or any other kind of mental health concern, please reach out to your trusted medical or mental health care provider to find an approach to manage your anxiety or depression that will work best for you. Okay, let's jump into my chat with fellow coaches, Madi Wollner and Darcy Daniels.
1: Okay, Madi, Darcy, thank you so much for being here. Madi, before we start recording, let me know that today actually happens to be National Mental Health Day or World Mental Health Day. I had
2: no idea. So like, (laughs) you stay in the know on these kinds of things or what? Yeah, absolutely. No, I was scrolling during like the five minutes before this. I was like, oh my God, it's perfect. It's like the universe telling us this is exactly the conversation we need to be having at this moment.
1: Absolutely. Like, this is what we should be doing. Well, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate having both of you here. I know we are all women on a mission doing all sorts of stuff. So for you to take time out to have this conversation is really special to me, really important to me. And I just had at the in the intro, I was telling people, you know, even if you don't deal with depression or anxiety or anything like that, just listen, listen in any way, learn something new, build empathy, right? Like, let's build some empathy so that we can treat each other better uh, in our daily lives. So before we jump in, I want to know who you are, what are the hats that you wear, like professionally, personally, so like, you know, you guys know, for me, I'm a wife, I'm a a daughter, a sister, an auntie, a friend, and I also do productivity coaching. right? So I also love helping women move forward what matters most. I think that will make the world a better place is when women are getting to prioritize themselves and their lives. And I think that makes the world better. So Darcy, I want to know for you, what are some of the hats that you wear?
3: Oh, my goodness. Um, Well, I have a teenage daughter. So that's probably the biggest. And then I also have a two-year-old Corgi So mom, mom and dog mom. Oh my gosh. I forgot to say dog mom. Don't tell the dogs.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Don't tell them. Okay. Sorry. Keep going. You got uh, the Corgi, the famous Corgi.
3: And yeah, daughter, sister, aunt, friend, coach. And I love working with people who are either entrepreneurs or in charge of their own destiny and schedule and money at work somewhat. So people who are commission or things like that, because that's what I used to do. And I love helping people Mm -hmm. get over their own self-sabotage to get more of what they want in life and less of what they don't. So less stress, less frustration and more peace and more joy and more ease because Good Lord, this day and age, don't we all need a little bit more ease in our <laughs> lives? <laughs> yes. 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 I vote for more and ease. Husky fan, which was really painful this weekend, but also Mariners <laughs> fan, which was really fun this weekend. So thank goodness. Yay.
1: <laughs> oh, that is a of being a Washington oh <laughs> fan, like a yeah. sports fan. Yeah. In the state of Washington. Oh my gosh, that's hilarious. Yes, it was an up and down kind <laughs> yes. of weekend for sure. So Maddie, how about you? What are what are the main hats that you wear?
2: Yeah, thanks so much for having me on, Elise. This is really exciting for me to be able to come and talk about mental health for sure, to maybe remove some of the stigma. I am a mom. I have three kids from 18 or no, he's 20. 20 to 12. <laughs> I'm like, I have no idea. Pandemic you, aging. You it doesn't count. Yeah. It's, oh, that's true. You forget the dogs, I forget my kids' ages. It's fine. <laughs> i um, married for 17 years to Tom the Bomb. He's a corporate pilot. So I do a lot of solo parenting. I have a couple of businesses, one being an insurance agency that I've had since 2008. I started that from the ground up. And then uh, about halfway, about five years into that, I realized that selling insurance wasn't my passion. I love having business and I love being an entrepreneur. But coaching my team really was. And so I I started coaching my team and it branched out and started my own coaching practice a few years ago as well. And I, I just really help women live a life on purpose. I love taking women who maybe feel like they're just going through life on Groundhog's day or same old, same old or living by default really figuring out what intention and purpose looks like to them. So they have a podcast that I've had for a few years and I am getting ready to launch a new and exciting podcast. So I yeah, we're we're still on the DL, but um I'm really excited about that next new project. I am so
1: just having you both here. Like if y'all could see me, I'm like just like smiling the whole time. I'm just like smiling nonstop. I'm like wiggling in my seat, like all of these things. Cause I'm just I'm so excited. For both of you and the work that you're doing. And I think that, you know, part of having you on the podcast is for people to get to know more than just me on this podcast, right? To get to know other people and other resources, other people who can support them, and especially other women who can support other women out there. And, but then also for them to see that as coaches, it doesn't mean we have it all together and that we're perfect. Mm. I remember going into coaching. (laughs) Darcy's just laughing. (laughs) I remember when I was starting my coaching practice, I was in coach training. I was in my certification program and was letting people know what I was going to be doing. And I remember this woman telling me like, oh, you must think you're perfect or something. I was like, what? and she just she was just like oh that's that was the perception from her right that's not everybody's perception of coaching but that like oh well then you must know it all and you're gonna tell everybody how to do things like oh gosh no i like to figure it out though and like Mm -hmm. other i like to help other people figure it out and i see that from both of you as well is there isn't a bunch of ego in the work that you're doing you're really about serving other people and i love that about you and we are human beings who sometimes have hard times and so what we're talking about in today's episode is really just living life with anxiety. And for me, it's the anxiety and depression. But it's, all you know, anxiety, generally speaking, is kind of at the forefront of where I struggle with mental health. And so I'm curious to hear from both of you, you know, how did you even figure out that anxiety was an issue for you? So Madi, I'm gonna I'm gonna
2: start with you. Yeah, so uh, I have always been a striver, a hustler and approver, like I'm gonna prove my worth no matter what. And I was killing it in the insurance agency. I mean, killing it, you know, winning all the awards, winning all the trips, name on the top of the numbers, making all the money. And it felt like everything was going great. And then one day I was sitting at my desk and all of a sudden I felt this like instant clamping tension in my neck and it radiated up to my head and down my arms. And I thought, I honestly thought I was. I thought heart attack, you know, I wasn't quite sure what it was is something like this never happened to me before. And so I called my husband. Um, he was working nights at the time. So this is a big deal, not only to call him in the middle of the night, but also to call for help. I also was living a life that uh, I did it all on my own. And I was a self-made woman, <laughs> you know, hey, yeah. and uh, we met at the urgent care. And after taking the vitals, um, the doctor let me know that I had had a panic attack. And I looked at him in confusion and I was like, "Well, I'm going to need to see your medical license because I don't think you know who I am." Like, <laughs> I, don't I don't have those. I don't do that. I don't have panic. I don't have. And he sent me home with a, you know, a few prescriptions and a suggestion to meet with a mental health therapist. And so, I learned I had anxiety in a very, very scary and surprising way. Yeah, it was very
1: like abrupt, sudden. Yeah. unexpected yes. yeah had there ever been signs before that of no. of any kind of panic a- attack or anything
2: i think hindsight is awesome but at that point there's no ability for myself to slow down to recognize mm. so possibly mm-hmm. possibly but but i wasn't in a space to even even take take a take a minute to yeah. to notice and reflect yeah
1: yeah, yeah. If you're just charging forward, hard charging yeah. individual, independent yep. woman. Yeah. It's a, that's interesting that you still are, right? You're mm-hmm. still all of those things, but in a different way in and in a maybe more balanced way. We'll talk more about that in, yeah. in a little bit. But how about for you, Darcy? What did it look like for you to realize or how did you discover well, and that it's, you? Had I smiled anxiety? at the end
3: of Maddie's story because mine is the exact opposite. <laughs> so I have known my entire life that I'm air quotes different. (laughs) And (laughs) as a kid, I didn't know if I was just told I was too sensitive. And then as I got older, I knew I had a little bit of depression too, at least like you were mentioning. That was always a little bit more obvious Mm -hmm. that I tended towards the melancholy of things. But Mm -hmm. the anxiety part, I didn't start having panic attacks until my late 30s. However, I was actually diagnosed, again, air quotes, with generalized anxiety disorder in my early thirties when I started seeing a counselor. But what she told me was that she was diagnosing me with that because she had to diagnose me with something in order for insurance to keep paying for counseling. And that was the thing because I had a family history of it that I was probably more prone to. Than anything else. And it was just easy, an easy diagnosis for the insurance companies to understand. So I could keep coming to see her because I had a very specific <laughs> issue in my life I was going for that didn't have anything to do with anxiety. Mm-hmm. So that was a blessing and a curse because I took what she said and I was like, okay, that makes sense when I look back on my life. And it, on the other hand, she's telling me I don't really have it. My younger sister has anxiety and was diagnosed way before I was. And so I watched what she had gone through in her 20s and thought, well, that's not my experience at all. So maybe I really don't have it. And then in my late 30s, when I started having panic attacks and talking to my sister about it, and she had already gone through all of this, she was like, no, no, (laughs) you do. It may just not, it may not be as bad as mine, but you do. And that's what I like to talk to people about is there's different flavors of anxiety. And so that's why it wasn't immediately recognizable. But, Madi, as you said, hindsight, looking back, oh, my gosh, I was absolutely 100% stereotypical anxiety and ADHD as a kid. But it was completely undiagnosed because I was a good student. I could sit still and I could focus Mm. because my anxiety would keep me there to do that. Yeah. So when I really had to get serious about it in my forties was because the panic attacks were getting worse and it was starting to affect my everyday life and my business. And I don't have a problem talking about this because my daughter very top ta- publicly talks about it. She also has anxiety. So she was diagnosed and I was watching what her counselor was telling her and what she was going through. And I was like, oh yeah, totally me too. So then I got a counselor again cuz mm-hmm. like you Elise I'd gone through coaching I'd stopped counseling gone through coaching went this is so much better like <laughs> this has helped me way more than counseling did. So when I realized that no no I need a counselor too to look back into the past and really make sense of some yeah. of that stuff and then also a coach to help me work today to move forward. That's when things really started getting yeah. better. And I got on ZoLaft. <laughs> we're gonna, we're definitely
1: gonna talk about, um, yeah, about like how do you work through it in, in a second. But um, I also want to talk about like the impact. And so I'm gonna, I'll, I'll kind of use my story um, about how I discovered I had anxiety and how it impacts me to like, kind of blend us into this this next part to say, you know, how does anxiety impact your life and your work? And this is exactly why I asked you two specifically to be on because I know your experiences of it were experiences of anxiety were different right? There's, there's some similarities, but there's also some differences. And then mine is also still different than your experience, right? (laughs) So uh, I really want people to hear that there are just lots of different ways to experience this. And there is no right way. There's no wrong way. There's no harder way. There's no easier way. There's what you're experiencing and listening for yourself and the things that we're talking about. So for me, it was a very slow build over time. Uh, the hindsight part, I'm still looking for, to be honest, I'm kind of like going, gosh, like I still have been kind of trying to reflect back to see like, how did this show up for me before? But generally speaking, what happened for me was and it was so strange is I was working toward my second wedding, I was about to get married to like the best person ever. And I was not as engaged and excited as like, I was excited in my heart, but my activity level around it was not there. For my first wedding, I did everything. And suddenly, I just realized that Kim, my now wife was kind of doing everything. And I was this very like agitated, raw, little bundle of bitchy nerves. I was (laughs) snappy and grouchy. And granted, we were in the middle of a pandemic and all of that kind of stuff was going on. But even leading up to that, we'd been doing a major remodel. And everybody says how stressful remodels are. And so I I kind of kept chalking it up to all these things that were happening, right? Oh, this remodel. Once a remodel's done, I'll feel better. I'll be less like on edge and less grouchy. And oh, gosh, now a pandemic has kicked in because we literally moved into our house in October of 2019, right? And so we were barely in our house. Then we were shut into our house, right? Or you know, we chose to be in our house. And so then it was like my mom moved in with us and my dad died and my my cousin died. And like all of these things kept happening that I kept kind of chalking it up to situations that, okay, once this gets better, once this resolves, I'll feel better. But the bottom line was, is I wasn't treating the people I cared about very well. And so we build up to the wedding and uh, that's where I finally met with a doctor, my doctor. And I, I started talking to, to friends first and family members who deal with depression, depression and anxiety. Wow. I just coined a new term and depression, uh, just depression, anxiety. <laughs> and my sister-in-law said that for her, when she first started experiencing depression, it was a very anxious, very agitated depression. And I realized that that's what was happening for me. And it helped me to hear somebody else say that and for me to go, Oh, that's, that's what's happening. And so the way that it impacts my life is that kind of very agitated, not myself feeling. I'm not a mean (laughs) grouchy person. Usually I was like, what's going on? But it was like, I had no ability with certain people to just like filter or have like a, a a way to just stop and reflect and see how I was doing before things came out of my mouth, which is not like me to to be, like I said, snappy, mean, hurtful. So I was being like that with my wife and my mom who was living with us at the time. And so it was my mom who finally was like, you're mean, you're bullying us. And I was just like, that was my rock bottom. Like I went downstairs and cried forever. And then I uh, said, okay, I'm going to reach out to somebody and get help. So that's how it generally impacts me. Um so I'm curious for you guys how does it impact how does it impact or how does anxiety impact your life and your work in a, on a on a daily basis or
3: or on a cyclical basis Yeah even? in every conceivable way <laughs> So it there's really like I said there's really a few different flavors of anxiety I think I mean it affects your nervous system right so you fight or flight is common for people to understand but there's also freeze and this isn't talked about as much. And this, unfortunately, is my flavor of anxiety. So I can fight or flight depending on what it is. But typically, I would say 90, 90 to 95% of the time, I freeze. So I get overwhelmed and can't do anything. And then for people who have heard of executive dysfunction and how that works in our brain, executive dysfunction kicks in for me. And the difference between that and laziness is laziness is just, I don't want to do it. And you don't feel bad about not doing it. Executive dysfunction is you feel bad about not doing it. And then you continually beat yourself up. Like, what's wrong with me? Why can't I do this thing? All the while you're sitting in the couch canyon and can't get out to do the thing. So, okay. I'm. So glad you said couch canyon. I was like, if you weren't gonna say it, That's- I was like, please
1: <laughs> talk about the couch canyon oh. because I think it's it, it's helpful to kind of have these kind of little terms and phrases for when you're in these different cycles to be like, oh, I'm in the couch canyon, right? Because it, it's good awareness. Yeah. So
3: another coach friend of mine, Sarah Seifelman, as far as I know, she coined the term couch canyon, and she talks about it in her books. And basically, it is when you get so overwhelmed or burnt out that you are literally or metaphorically in a couch canyon you can't make yourself get out of that place to go do the things that you need to do or even want to do so the couch canyon is a big time suck <laughs> you know and it may be metaphorical sometimes it's when i'm sitting at my desk but i pick up my phone and i start playing games and then i can't focus mm-hmm. on the mm-hmm. the work and the things that i should be focusing on right then. Sometimes it's literal. I'm sitting on the couch and I'm numbing out. I'm avoiding. Whether it's TV or I think a lot for the younger generation, for my daughter, it's mindlessly scrolling through Instagram or TikTok and watching those videos. And I do that sometimes too. But And so what happens is I will have, I know, I will know exactly what I need to do. Thanks to you, Elise, because I have it in my GQs to-do list. And I can't make myself do it because I'm so overwhelmed. And just getting (laughs) off the couch to do one thing feels incredibly difficult. Now, most of the time when I do, I can then do another thing and then another thing. And sometimes I can't. Sometimes I do one and I'm like, no, exhausted, done, back, back on the couch. But at least then I've made a decision the couch canyon is really you're not making any decision you're just in stasis <laughs> and that can be mental as well as physical so for me it affects mothering it affects yeah my work it affects being a good friend i will have friends text me or call me or want to chat and i don't answer because i'm frozen and can't i'm hiding from the world the pandemic was both great and horrible mm-hmm. for yes. my anxiety in a lot of yep. ways. Um, working from home. Yes. But the good part about that was yeah. because I am self-employed for the first three months, I was able to do that. And that's actually what I needed. I needed to just get my head in a place where I could wrap my consciousness mm-hmm. around what the hell was going on and how to move forward from here. Um both as a person and as a mom. So I think that for me, the big thing is the knowing that I'm not just lazy, which is what I was labeled a lot as a kid and that it impacts me because it's actually a thing in my brain. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Thanks Darcy. How about for you, Marty?
2: Uh yeah, thank you so much, Darcy. Your vulnerability is inspiring. All vulnerability is, but I really feel that. Thank you so much. And I love that couch canyon term. I was recently just out to happy hour with a couple friends, and the topic of anxiety came up, and they're new friends. So they they haven't listened to the podcast or haven't heard my story. And one of them said, Oh, I don't have time for anxiety. And then they giggled, and then the other one said, Yeah, I've got too much to do too many people rely on me. And I didn't say anything in that moment. But I thought, how interesting. And I just applaud this conversation as a whole. Because at, at some point, maybe one of those women will listen and maybe begin to understand that the couch, couch canyon isn't a decision. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And like Elise said in the beginning, like maybe we can start to form some empathy and, and awareness around what this really is because laziness is, is not it. Um, mm-hmm. I was anything but lazy. I, I, I still am anything but lazy. So how it affects me is um, mine feels more triggered when it comes to health and well-being, especially with my family and so, luckily, I've gotten to the point where I can maybe spot it before it's coming. I woke up. Um, I don't normally uh, sound this sexy, uh, but I woke <laughs> up with a <laughs> with a sore throat, and <laughs> and I knew right away that this could be something that's going to trigger my anxiety. So I'm just on a high alert. I'm on I'm on extra alert, and I'm aware of exactly how I'm feeling going through the day. A couple months ago, one of my kids had surgery. And it was we're in the hospital all day. And again, I just was very... I became very aware so that I could not only take care of my daughter being there, but more importantly, to take care of myself first so that I could be there. Um, And like Darcy, it really does affect everything in my life. Most recently, I was on a podcast. I was recording with the the woman I was interviewing. um, And it was going really well. Nothing went wrong. But all of a sudden, shh, I felt my anxiety come up and I'm. this is where I'm still learning because what I could have done is say, hey, time out. I'm going to go and grab my anxiety meds. But I didn't do that. I said, I grabbed my phone. I text Tom. I was like, bring me my meds. And he did. And I was able to finish the podcast. But I think that's the conditioning, right? That's the hustle, mm-hmm. hustle through. Prove it, prove it, prove it. That's still there. Mm-hmm. Even though I'm working on self-compassion, even though I'm working on kindness, in the beginning, it really was horrible with the family, right? They didn't understand. And at times, they would make jokes like, oh, mom has mom's anxiety. And that's okay because they didn't understand. Mm-hmm. And as I've continued to have the conversation with them, um, with the public, with my social media, on my podcast, all the things, they are now able to have the conversations with their kids or the conversations with maybe like how they're feeling with me this summer was been a really hard summer for all of us on a number of different levels and how i can't tell you how many times all five of us sat outside with our fire pit just all of us crying and really just talking about our emotions and i have to say that's been the biggest gift for for me that's the key is because i am now like walls down with safe people we yes. only safe people, right?
1: That's the that's, that's <laughs> like, an important part, y'all.
2: Yes, that's there's the key. So, <laughs> there's, there's a lot of not so safe people out there. Um, be able to show vulnerability, just like you know, both of you are on this podcast as well, uh, has been a really big gift for me and my family, especially because some of us experience it and some of us don't. And so we get yeah. a model and then we get to say, like those with, that don't say, well, tell me more. Like, how does that feel? and the ones that us that do we get to say things like well when you tell us to not think about it that doesn't help you know and it's just more of a beautiful dialogue versus a i don't understand let's go in different rooms
1: yeah like what's your problem kind of what's
2: your problem exactly yeah.
1: i'm really glad that you mentioned and i love that you mentioned about having your safe people that you can talk to about these things and, and i have to note that you created that in your family like that's what's so cool though is that you slowly had those conversations over time so that now that is a safe that your home life is a safe space for anxiety because it isn't people's home lives aren't always a safe space. Uh, And so that, you know, that's something to always be aware of. Um, like I said, I, I talked about a little bit already for how it impacts, you know, how it impacted my life that made me aware of it. Um, for me, I can do kind of a couch Canyon version of things. I can also, um, as a nine, I'm an Enneagram type nine. And so as a nine, I can also get really busy, uh, but not necessarily doing the things that are going to make me feel any better. Right. So I can, I can mask my anxiety with busyness and and kind of, I always kind of think of it as like, as like fake sugar. I'm like, just get the real thing. Just have real sugar. Right. If you're going to have sugar, have real sugar, (laughs) not the fake shit. Right. (laughs) And so it's like, I you know, the real sugar is like, moving. you know, as you guys know, for me moving forward, what matters most? And sometimes that's rest, right? Sometimes that's that's getting a hug. <laughs> sometimes that's calling my best friend or Marco Poloing her and telling her what's going on. And so for me, it impacts me just differently on different days. And I have to pay attention to my body a lot more than I ever have before. I've not always been a very body aware person. I don't know about you too. But for me, I could really, even though my Enneagram type, I'm a body person, (laughs) it's like, that's actually my, the triad that I'm in is body, but nines are kind of notoriously detached from kind of their, their physical body. And so for me, it shows up in a tight chest, right? And and then it shows up like in an, in an irritated way. And so when that happens, I start to pay attention and I start to ask myself, okay, what's really going on? And because I have safe people, too, I can ask my safe people what's going on, Kim, my wife being one of my safest people ever. And so I can say like, Hey, you know, I recently um, we'll pivot now into that that next question of like, you know, how do you actually work with and through or around your anxiety and medication for me is definitely one of those things. And all three of us have mentioned medication and listener out there. Everybody gets to make their own choices about what works for them. Uh, Just because we're saying medication doesn't mean you have to definitely work with, you know, your doctor, your mental health professional to see what's going to work for you. But for me, I take Lexapro so that I can have a more managed daily life when it comes to my anxiety. And that's been hugely helpful in taking that edge off that I was constantly feeling to just constantly have these like raw agitated nerves. But the other part with that is, of course, you know, therapy, I have a a counselor that I work with, and being able to talk about my anxiety with my wife to be able to say, uh, I recently changed my medication dosage, we were talking about it. And she was working on on something already with her doctor. And it made me start to kind of ask myself some questions. And she had said, like, I don't know, like, maybe, maybe you talk to your doctor about this. And so then finally, I was like, Wait, why are you saying that? And she's like, The length of your fuse has changed, and I was like, Mm. "Oh, it has." (laughs) And when I reflected back Mm. on the past few months, it's like, "Oh, it has. It has. I have been more on edge. I have been raw nerves. I had, you know, like all of those things have been there." So for me, it is. It is definitely, you know, medication, having uh, and making sure I talk to my doctor on a regular basis and doing you know med checks with them. Um, You know, having uh, a therapist that I can talk to and having my safe people. So it's my wife, my best friend, my sister and my sister in law are the ones that I can reach out to when I'm in the midst of something. Um so how about how about for you guys, how do you how do you work with or through or around? You've you've touched on some of it already, but I, I'm curious if there's anything else you want to highlight. So Madi, I wanna check in with you.
2: Yeah. I uh, did know all of that for sure. And um when I did have my first anxiety attack, I did go on to pressure medi- medication and And I don't take that any longer. But again, like that was a conversation that I had with my doctor. I wrote down the length of my fuse has shortened. Uh, I think I have some self-discovery to go journal about. I appreciate that. Just statement, at least of just like, what a great little nugget of self-awareness I can go, I can go write about. Um, But I have to also say like every single person in my family now has a therapist, not because of anxiety, not because of depression, because of mental health. Mm Mm-hmm. And then my husband and I, we have our own marriage therapist because of marriage health, right? Yeah. So, for example, one of well, my my college son had a really traumatic experience happen, his freshman year of college. And we brought him home for a couple weeks, honestly, to recover. And as soon as he got home, he asked for an appointment with this therapist. And it was so, I was so proud of us. For giving so all of our children this foundation yes. of the safe person that doesn't have to be us. Yes. Right. Yes. Like the, the the other safe person. Yeah. And I'm constantly giving referrals to each of my kids is therapists. And I'm, you know, moms are texting me like, will you have your daughter talk to my daughter about therapy? I'm like, okay, uh, you know, I'll, 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 I'll put a bug in her ear, but honestly, go have that combo, go have that combo. And model it by hiring your own model it by getting your own. So I am the biggest advocate for therapy, for therapy and coaching, just like both of yeah. you have mentioned, right there. There are two different things that can be melded together to create the most beautiful life. And that's how I deal for sure. sure.
1: I love that your kids all have their own resources to go to their own mental health professionals to go to i remember <laughs> i remember when kim and i first started dating and i found out she had a therapist and i was like oh this is it. and she's like oh yeah i've had the same therapist for like 18 years or something like that mm-hmm. and i was like this is amazing and i was like mm-hmm. i and i didn't realize that in my past marriage i was taking on so much management of his Mental health, right? His okayness—that was like it was so, to be honest, attractive to have somebody that was going to take care of themselves, right? take care of their own emotional self. I can support her, right? I can do all these things, but and I think that because of that, it gave me the space to see my anxiety, right? It gave me the space to see that I needed that kind of support because I wasn't directing
3: all of my attention to yeah, somebody else is, and trying to take. take this care of is it. the big. Conversation for me because knowing that you have it and how it affects you, but then knowing what to do with it so you can still lead a productive life is huge. And that I feel like that's the journey I've been on my whole life. Because when you were talking about body awareness, Elise, I wrote down I'm body aware to a fault to the point that I won't notice my thought patterns or any, I will notice the anxiety in my body Mm. first. And as a kid, that was horrible because we didn't know what was going on. I didn't know I had anxiety and it manifests Mm -hmm. in my stomach a lot. So I would feel physically sick all the time. And my parents had no idea what was going on. And they would get really frustrated when the school called and said, your daughter Mm -hmm. says she's sick. I think you may need to come pick her up. And they would pick me up and take me home and then I would be fine. And they would get really frustrated, and I would get frustrated with myself. But it was because I didn't realize that the anxiety at school was making me physically sick, which that's a whole other thing of being bullied and having difficulties with that. That again, ADHD didn't know, (laughs) and so trying to deal with that. So one of the ways that I've learned to work around it, kind of like what Marty was talking about, but a little bit different, is I. Feel it in my body. And then I immediately go to, oh, what am I thinking? Because almost always it starts, it's triggered with something. I just don't realize what it's triggered by until I take some time to ask myself what it is. Now, I will say every once in a while, there is absolutely nothing that it's triggered by. No thought pattern, no story that I'm telling myself that I can identify. It's just the chemicals in my brain went and then there I am in the middle of a panic attack and don't know how the hell I got there. But by knowing my body really well Mm -hmm. and how my body processes stress and when I am triggered, whether that is emotionally, mentally, physically, Madi, you talked about being sick and feeling it. Yeah, that's huge. I had a a physical sickness event that I was later diagnosed with PTSD because of that event. And so I had to work through that and that gave me actually a lot of mindfulness skills to help me with my anxiety as well, to be able to calm myself in the moment. And that's honestly, I resisted medication for a long time, not because I didn't believe in it. I knew other people who were on it and were doing great on it and it was fantastic but I resisted it because I was a coach and I had all the skills, right? I knew what to do. I could coach myself through this. And because I have such a sensitive body system, I didn't, Mm -hmm. I was so afraid to go on medication and mess that up in a way, which (laughs) as weird as that sounds like I felt like I needed to have that warning system in my body
1: until it got
3: to a point that I couldn't deal with life almost at all anymore
1: right that it wasn't it wasn't helpful at some point no yeah that warning system was was kind of like faulty somehow
3: right my my sister kept saying you know maybe you just need a rescue dog maybe you just need like xanax as a rescue dog and not a daily and then it got to the point that she goes "I i think you need a daily like that's it it's gotten much worse and my boyfriend pointed out the same thing and i went oh okay, then like this mm-hmm. is, and again, you were, you guys were talking about safe people. We, ha- we all have blind spots. We have things that we can't see for ourselves. So when the people that we're spending the most time around can point out to us, Hey, you know, at least you're getting a little crankier. Your fuse is a little bit shorter. Or like in my case, you know, you're struggling more days than not. Like the majority of the time, Darce, you're struggling with your anxiety. And I went, oh, yeah, that's not good. And we had started, um, my daughter had started taking Zoloft. She did all the research. She decided she wanted to do it. She was old enough that she was like, this is me. This is my body. I'm making this choice. This is what I think I need. And I saw how well it worked for her. And like a month or two after, I went, okay, I need to get on it as well. So if it wasn't, and it's been about a year. And it makes all the difference. One, I really wanted to bring this up. I have this metaphor for anxiety that I came up with. And my counselor was like, ooh, that's good. I'm going to use that with other people. So for me, it's like the difference between being on the water or in the water. So people that don't have a problem with anxiety are in a boat. It may just be like a raft or it may be a bigger boat and they're more safe, feel more secure, but they're on the water before I got on medication, I was in the water. Some days were good and I could float. I could put my head back and float and they were good days. More often than not, I was treading water. So I was having to work really hard to just be like everybody else. And on the bad days, it was like something was attached to my feet and dragging me under constantly. And I was just fighting to survive. So once I got on the medication, I was like, oh, I'm on the boat again. Like I have that safety net of not having to struggle because I know I'm going to be okay. Stuff happens, but now I can deal with it. Whereas it had gotten to a point before that I couldn't deal with it.
1: I love that, Darcy, the, the on the water or in the water. And what I, I love about what you all said, uh, and what well, we all said was oh. that there, there, there wasn't one magic bullet. There wasn't one thing right, that that did it all. Uh, I could talk about all of this with you. Guys. You two, you know, I could talk with you two forever. But I want to make sure that people, if they felt a connection to you today, your experience, and your approach to things, this is the experience and the approach that they that these two women bring into their coaching, you know, this is the empathy they bring in. This is the experience they bring in. And so I wanna I wanna hear from you, Madi, to say, like, what is it that you love doing as a coach?
2: Mm-hmm. And where can people get back in touch with you if they want to learn more about what you're doing? My favorite um, statement that clients make, like when they start a sentence with this, my heart just gets all like happy and I I start to wiggle in my seat and sit straight is I've always wanted to. And so I love helping. I love helping women um, finish that sentence and then actually go out and do the thing and live the life that they've always wanted to live. I um, love it. And that
1: was Hawk apparently agreeing with you. I didn't realize oh, was perfect. Toy in perfect. the room. <laughs> yes.
2: So where should um,
1: people connect with you? Where do you like to connect with people most?
2: I think if you like this conversation, the living on purpose podcast, Elise has been a guest on twice. Um, there's, you know, over a hundred episodes, uh, where I just share, I just share stories like this, like, real life stories with a little bit of insight. And of course, on the social media, which we can put in the show notes, I'm sure. Absolutely.
1: Yes. Go to the show notes for more, for sure. How about for you, Darcy? What do you love about being a coach? What is it? What is the kind of coaching work you love to do? And where should people find you?
3: Well, another thing that I want to say really quick, and this ties into my coaching is one of the things that really helps me with my anxiety is leaving the past in the past. As much as possible, like yeah. dealing with and processing what I need to, but not holding on to stuff that I don't need to hold on to. And that's what I love helping my clients with. That's where the self sabotage comes into play. So I work a lot with people when they say they feel are feeling burnt out or their work life balance is out of whack, or they're frustrated because they're just not happy in their job or in their life. They don't know what to do working on work-life fulfillment instead of work-life balance. And that's because if you're fulfilled in both your work and your life, you're going to find a natural balance. Love that. And so that's one of the things that's made a huge change for me is getting out of the corporate world of 20 years that I was in and doing this work so I actually have real work fulfillment all of my anxiety rose to the surface but it was because now i could deal with it. so there are gifts to it and knowing what my gifts are around my anxiety mm-hmm. is really helpful in helping other people identify their strengths and their gifts. and when you were talking about earlier release the beginning of people going, oh, you must be perfect. If you're a coach, you must think that you have it all figured out. No, who wants a coach who has it all figured out and has no idea what adversity or any of this is? Give me the people who are going through what I have already gone through and I can help walk them through it. So um, I love, you know, I love Instagram. That's probably Coach Darcy on Instagram. That's probably my favorite place to connect with people. And then just in person, like shoot me a DM or an email. And I am happy to jump on the phone and have a uh, free consultation conversation to see if coaching works for you or if I'm the right coach for you. I've referred people to other coaches because I'm like, no, I don't do that. Um, And then the the last thing I'll just say is, mindful motivation learning how my flavor of anxiety ties into how i'm motivated and you know at least you've mentioned the enneagram you know i love the enneagram and i have a program that i use that with clients in and i tie that all together with what really motivates you and what positively motivates you and what negatively motivates you. right right
1: yeah cuz it, it's two sides of a of a coin there just like anxiety and depression <laughs>
3: I was going to say, and just like I learned that my anxiety was a huge motivator for me, positive and negative in my life and how I want to mindfully use that instead of just having it be the default. And so I, yeah, I help love helping men and women professionals with that too, because we're all so busy. We need somebody to talk to. Yeah. Somebody to see
1: our stuff. And that's what I love about both of you is that you are all about helping people be more intentional, move out of kind of just the, the patterns that get us stuck the autopilot that we can get in the groundhog's day that Maddie mentioned and really live lives that are fulfilling and love. Thank you both of you so much for being vulnerable with me today, for sharing your experience. And I hope that for all of you listening out there, that if you heard you and any of us to don't hesitate to reach out and talk with your primary care provider, talk with the mental health professional, seek out a counselor. Uh, it's you deserve that. You deserve that. So thank you both for being here. I appreciate it.
3: Thank you, Elise, for facilitating this important conversation.
0: Yes. Thank you so much. I hope you found my conversation with Madi and Darcy to be helpful. And now that you listen to it, I do have a question for you. How are you feeling today? I know it says today, but it is the question of the week. How are you feeling today? Like truly? You don't just get to say fine or okay with this one. I want you to be honest with yourself and even elaborate a little bit. If you are feeling great, I celebrate you. If you're having kind of a blah day, I get it, and I am sending you virtual hugs. If on the other hand, you've been stringing together weeks, months, or years of not great, and maybe heard some of yourself and Maddie, Darcy, and I and what we were talking about, I encourage you to reach out to a mental health professional to chat about how you're doing. Just get another set of ears on things to check in. And finally, if you are in crisis, reach out to the Suicide and Crisis Lifeline by calling or texting 988 or go to 988lifeline.org. Again, that's nine. the numbers 988lifeline.org. There's a lot of resources and support there. Okay, that is all for this week. I'll be back again with you next week. Until then, keep moving forward what matters most. Thanks so much for joining me for this week's episode of the Productivity Breakthrough Podcast. Did you have a breakthrough today? Write to me and let me know. You can reach me, revisit anything we covered today, or uncover free resources over at elisenriquez.com. And if you know of other leaders in life and business who would appreciate a little help with their productivity breakthroughs, I'd love it if you'd share this podcast with them. And finally, remember to hit subscribe or follow so you don't miss an episode. See you next time.